This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Dr. Cat Gone to the Dogs is brought to you by Heroes for Healthy Pets. We're passionate about your pet's health. And by Fear Free Pets and iHeartDogs.com. Hey, dog lovers. Welcome to Dr. Cat Gone to the Dog. I'm your host, Dr. Catherine Prim, and I am a small animal veterinarian and dog lover. So I like to use this show to educate dog lovers about all the things that they need to know to keep their dogs happy and healthy. And one of the things that I like to do the most is sort of attack these things that run across the internet and scare us and confuse us about what we need to do to keep our dogs healthy. And today I would like to tackle the specter of vaccination. And I have with me Dr. Jason Stahl, and we are going to talk about all the things vaccine, the good, the bad, and the ugly about vaccinating dogs. And we will be right back after a word from these sponsors. You know that feeling when you go to clean the litter box and it's a complete disaster? Yeah, we've got you covered. Introducing World's Best Cat Litter Zero Mess, the advanced litter that gives you two times better clumping and more odor control with less litter. Zero Mess combines the concentrated power of corn with super-absorbent plant fibers. Translation, scoop once and you're done. Find it at a pet store near you and save $2. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Hi friends, this is Dr. Marty Becker, America's Veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagging tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Dr. Cat Gone to the Dog. And I have with me Dr. Jason Stahl. Welcome, Dr. Stahl. Hi, thank you for the invitation. So I would like for you to tell all of my listeners about yourself and how you came to be here with me talking about vaccination today. Sure. So I'm a veterinary epidemiologist. So what that means is I have a veterinary degree and I also have a couple of additional degrees. I have a master's degree in veterinary preventative medicine. And so that gives me insight into epidemiology or the study of diseases in populations of animals. It also helps me better understand the way that infections can occur in populations. I also have a PhD in veterinary infectious diseases. And through my life, I've worked uh, through a variety of things. So I've worked in public health in the past and most recently at The Ohio State University in the College of Veterinary Medicine and in the Department of Veterinary Preventative Medicine. And over the the last several years, I've been involved in um, kind of the epidemiology of of dog infections. And so specifically places where or situations in which infections will move through dog populations and how to better and trying to understand ways that we can all work to try and prevent this from occurring. 
So I guess it's safe to say that you also love dogs and you strive to find ways to keep them happy and healthy. We have two spoiled English setters at home, and we spend probably as much time with them as we do with our human kids. It's all about the family. Even the fur family. Even the fur family. So we do have some headlines that are catchy out on the internet about vaccines. And one of those is that veterinarians are over-vaccinating dogs. And I, um, I take a personal affront from this because I feel like I'm pretty committed to making sure my patients are happy and healthy. Can you sort of talk about that a little bit? Sure. So this has been a topic I think that has um, been percolating for quite a while. And so there's a variety of issues at play here. And so and so some of it is kind of the purpose of the vaccination. So obviously, we uh, when we vaccinate animals, we want to give them their puppy series or when they're younger to, to try and begin to build up their immunity to diseases as uh, their maternal antibodies. And so the antibodies that they got from their mom are beginning to decrease. And then we're going to we're going to vaccinate them at certain intervals to ensure that their immune system continues to respond. And so there are concerns with like any particular medication that we give. There are lots of good things and occasionally there can be some things that that are less good. And so we do see vaccine reactions or what they call them adverse events that occur. These are really very, very uncommon. Um, And so if we look at a, a group of dogs and that has been done, they occur, it's about 50 dogs out of every 100,000 dogs that are vaccinated, or sorry, 10,000 dogs that are vaccinated will have a reaction. So that's 50 dogs out of every 10,000 dogs that are vaccinated will have some type of reaction. And that reaction overall is very, very mild. These can be fever. These can be a dog that just doesn't feel very good for a couple of days. Maybe it's not eating its normal amount of food. Maybe it's a little sore at this where it got vaccinated. In some rare situations, there can these types of vaccine reactions can be more aggressive or they can be uh, more severe. But that's, again, very, very uncommon. And in pretty much all cases, as long as they're brought to a veterinarian, these animals can, we can give them medications to get them through that stage and, uh, and prevent further problems. So there definitely can be some issues that occur. The problem then occurs as well. So how often should we vaccinate our dogs? And so many of the products that are out there, there are specific recommendations for the frequency that we vaccinate. And so veterinarians in general want to follow those because those are the guidelines that ensure that we're going to lead to the greatest chance of having a healthy pet that's not going to get sick. So I think I skipped ahead. I was so excited to talk to you, but I skipped ahead about how vaccines work and how they sort of take advantage of our natural systems to provide that protection. Can you go back over that for us? Absolutely. So in people and in dogs, we have a a natural system that has really been created to do some pretty amazing things. So when a disease uh, pathogen enters our bodies or a dog's body, so that could be a virus or it could be a bacteria, it enters the body through its mouth or through its nose or potentially through its skin, and then it begins to reproduce in the dog system. So that's going to take generally at least a couple of days. And while it's reproducing, it's then eventually at some point, it can then cause clinical or can cause disease in that animal. So for instance, so let's take an example like parvovirus. So this is a virus, obviously, that can lead to extreme vomiting, diarrhea, dehydration, and death in dogs. And so as it's beginning to reproduce, it's beginning to start showing those types of signs in this dog. 
the dog's body is also going to try and fight off that infection. So while this is occurring, there are various what we call B cells and T cells, so different types of cells in the immune system that are going to work together to, one, identify that this is a foreign object in the dog's body, and then to actually try and fight it. So they will produce antibodies, and they will produce certain types of cells that will actually directly attack that virus. And if they're successful, then generally after several days to several weeks, this animal will get over its infection. Now, that's a fantastic thing, but what's really remarkable is that this dog's body has now created a memory of parvovirus. And so if it gets encounter encounters parvovirus again, instead of it leading to this extremely severe sickness, the immune system of this dog has what's called memory. And so those B and T cells, they don't have to go and start at ground zero. They are ramped up and they're ready to go. And so now, instead of it taking days to weeks, it potentially can only take hours for those cells to be created and to attack that parvovirus. And so, in fact, the virus never even gets a chance to really replicate and cause disease. And so in this particular situation, this dog has been able to fight infection effectively on its own. Of course, that's a horrible thing. We don't want our dogs to have to go through a severe, potentially fatal illness in order to develop an immunity to a disease. We don't want that for ourselves. We don't want that for our kids. We don't want that for our dogs. And so the concept of a vaccine is how do we present to the dog's body something that is similar to that parvovirus, but doesn't make it sick? And so that's the concept of a vaccine. So we inject the dog with this product. The dog body says it looks like parvo and it responds to it so that when it does get out into the real world and it actually is introduced or parvo does get into the dog's body, it can immediately defend against that virus. Well, I think that there has been kind of a rumor that these diseases don't exist anymore and that we don't need to vaccinate for them. And I think that that is completely false. I still see the diseases that we vaccinate for very routinely in my practice. Can you talk a little bit about whether or not you have heard of or seen the results of people being resistant to vaccinating? So certainly I agree with you. We certainly see them. Uh, we see them in the private practice setting and we see them in the shelter setting. And, and I think one thing about the shelter setting, although many of us may not have a sheltered dog, is that really exemplifies what happens when a virus makes its way, one of these types of viruses makes its way into what we call a naive population or a population that isn't fully vaccinated. And it it's horrible. Uh, these animals get sick very, very quickly. Many of them end up having to be euthanized because we cannot support them effectively. And there's definitely a lot of questions about, you know, how often should I vaccinate? What are the benefits of vaccination? And I think one of the challenges is that there are so many rumors out there about different vaccines and the side effects of vaccines that people begin to take these as truths. And it's very important to do your own research. And part of that research really involves having a direct conversation with your veterinarian so that they understand what your dog's lifestyle might be. Um, so not every dog is created equal, right? So we have dogs that very rarely touch the floor. They're in our arms, they're on our furniture, whatever they might be. They're in and out of the house to go to the bathroom in about three seconds. And then we have other dogs that spend the vast majority of their time in the fields, part of a hunting group, swimming in 
materials that you wouldn't want to do yourself. Um, and so really our, the exposure levels and the lifestyles of dogs are really quite different across the board. So it's important that we have a conversation with a veterinarian about what types of vaccines might be appropriate for that dog. What are the risks and benefits of these vaccines for your particular dog? And then you can make an informed decision about what makes the most sense for your particular dog at that particular time. So I think that we as professionals that are sort of acting as a mouthpiece for our entire profession, we can sort of guide people to have that conversation with their own veterinarian. And also there are some resources out there that are sort of free and readily available that are better than just the average Dr. Google search. Can you share with my listeners some places where they could find good information about vaccines? Absolutely. So there's a couple that I'm going to recommend. So the two big vaccine groups, and these are so these are generally researchers. They oftentimes will put with their recommendations a level of evidence. So in other words, how much evidence is there in the literature to support the recommendations that they're making? So that's really, really nice so that you know that it's not a bunch of people that got together and are just talking about what they think. They really reviewed the information that's out there and critically appraised it. So there's two different groups that are at least commonly used. One is called AHA, A-A-H-A. So you can just Google AHA vaccine guidelines and you'll come up with a very, very nice user-friendly guide for different types of vaccines that are available. And the other one is called WASAVA, W-A-S-A-V-A, which again is a world group that talks about different types of vaccines that are available and the, the risks and benefits of those. For those that are interested our group at the Ohio State University. And again, you can go to OSU, Ohio State University's website, College of Veterinary Medicine, and just look up canine group settings. We've put together a variety of uh, recommendations for people that have dogs that are in these what we call higher risk groups. So these are groups where these dogs have a lot of dog-to-dog contact. So these could be boarding facilities. These could be doggy daycares. These could be field trial dogs or show dogs. So these are dogs that might fit into a slightly different category. But we We've got a lot of resources, fact sheets that are there, and these are equally applicable to those that have dogs in those types of settings, as well as somebody that's got you know, their one dog that, that basically stays at home and doesn't have a lot of contact with other dogs. Wonderful. Let's take a quick break and get a word from our sponsors and come right back with Dr. Stoll to talk about canine vaccinations. It's not just a sneeze. It could be the pathway to disease. Your dog is at risk for contracting dog flu. That's why it's important to vaccinate your dog for dog flu. Get your dog vaccinated today. Visit dogflu.com for more information. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Pick up two bottles of Chops. get the third bottle free. New improved Chops with omega-6, omega-3, vitamin E, and now six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. And dogs love it. Try Chops. Buy two, get one free. This is Henry Lukasiewicz for Dynavite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Dot com. <laughs> Welcome back, dog lovers. We're here continuing our conversation about canine vaccination with Dr. Jason Stahl. So we have kind of talked about 
the diseases that are still out there that need to be vaccinated for. And we have alluded to the fact that every dog lover should have a relationship with their own veterinarian so that they can discuss the risk factors. Is there anything else that you think my listeners really need to know about vaccinations and their dogs? The topic of vaccines can be somewhat challenging. So we have a variety of different vaccines that are out there. We have what's called core vaccines. So these are vaccines that those groups that we mentioned believe every dog should receive. Uh, So these are the diseases for parvovirus, adenovirus, and distemper virus. And so because of the severity of the diseases, because of how common some of these diseases have been in dog populations, and because of the fact that we have extremely good vaccines for them, these are considered core. There are also other diseases is that depending on where you live, so some of it has to do with geography, and depending on what your dog, what kind of environment your dog lives in and spends time with, and you're going to maybe other types of vaccines that will be recommended. And so these are vaccines, for instance, against Lyme disease. These are vaccines against what's called leptospirosis. So this is a type of bacteria that lives in water that can cause very severe disease in dogs in some parts of the United States. These are diseases like canine influenza virus. And so people may be aware that there is a type of flu that is specific to dogs and it is occurring throughout parts of the United States and it can be very, very severe. And depending on the your dog's lifestyle, that is something definitely to consider. What can be challenging is that these different types of vaccines have different types of immunity. So when we are targeting a vaccine against these different types of diseases, some of them are going to work extremely well. It has to do with the vaccine and, and all the specifics that we're able to address that particular disease-causing agent. And some of them just don't work quite as well, despite all of our efforts. And so when I say that, what do I mean? Well, some vaccines may produce what they call a sterilizing immunity, which means that pretty much all dogs that are vaccinated against that disease are protected against that disease. They won't show any clinical disease or any disease or signs at all versus other types of vaccines, which are going to help protect that dog but are not necessarily going to stop all disease. And so a dog that's vaccinated may still get disease, but it won't get nearly as severe disease. It's much less likely to die from a disease. It's much less likely to shed that disease to another dog. And so it's very important that we understand that. And the same thing is true in humans. So many of us get the flu vaccine each year, and many of us that got the flu vaccine still may get the flu, but the idea is that we don't get as severe of the flu as as someone who is not vaccinated. So we need to take all that information together so that we can understand what makes the most sense for our pet, but also how frequently we may need to go in. So some of these, what we call non-core vaccines, so for instance, like Bordetella vaccination or Lyme vaccination or leptospirosis vaccination will be required generally annually or every year versus some of the other diseases which are needed less frequently. So if your veterinarian says that your dog needs a vaccine every year, they might mean leptospirosis or something. It it may not be that they're trying to over-vaccinate your dog. It may be that they know enough about the vaccines and your dog to make that recommendation. Is that what you're saying? That's absolutely right. And and the data that are out there certainly support the fact that for many of these non-core vaccines, as the ones we just mentioned, if your dog is not getting an annual booster of that vaccine, then they definitely are much more susceptible to disease than a dog that is boosted appropriately. So so it's important to, and if you have questions, you should really ask. Um, so so take a look at those resources or talk to your veterinarian about, about why they're recommending that frequency. So I really want all my listeners to know that vaccination is not the only reason to see your veterinarian. And we're talking about vaccines today and 
have hopefully convinced everyone how important they are. But your veterinarian is your partner in caring for your dog. So there are other things that you can discuss and learn from your veterinarian, not just vaccinations, but I think every dog needs some sort of vaccination protocol and it should be worked out with your veterinarian. Would you say that you agree with that? Oh, there's no question. And people probably know this, but but pretty much across the United States, rabies is considered a required mandatory vaccine. And so in some locations, you can get into quite a bit of trouble. And not only that, but if your dog is ever exposed to a rabid animal, so in other words, your dog has a fight with a raccoon or your dog picks up a dead bat in the yard and either that animal is, that wildlife animal is known to be rabid, so it's tested and found to be rabid, or it cannot be tested your dog, depending on its vaccine status, will have an its rabies vaccine status that will determine what happens with your dog. And so in some cases, if your dog is unvaccinated, that is an extremely long quarantine. So it's a six-month quarantine in some cases, or potentially even in some cases recommending euthanasia. So there's a lot of reasons to vaccinate. Certainly the primary one should be protecting our pets. But in some cases, there can be legal components to it as well. So, and there are people in the world that still get rabies, not necessarily overwhelming numbers in this country, but rabies is very real. And I think it's become such a common word. We talk about rabies vaccine that we forget that people die from rabies. There are estimates that over 20,000 people each year in parts of the world are dying from rabies. Um, In the United States, generally only a couple each year, and most of those acquire the disease in other countries. Some of them do acquire it in the United States, but you're absolutely right. Well, I hope that all my listeners got their crash course about vaccinations and we have helped them to be able to make educated decisions about seeing their veterinarian and choosing the vaccine for their dog. I would love to thank you for joining me today and also to thank our producer, Mark Winter, here on Pet Life Radio. And I want everyone to go out there and raise the rough. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.